Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Romance at a Glance. Quick shout out to the fact that my audio is a little tinny in this interview towards the end. And I just wanted you guys to know that. I know that. But Melanie sounds fabulous. And this interview is too good to shelve. So enjoy. Well, hello, and welcome to Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and today I am interviewing and chatting with Melanie Harlow. She's a contemporary romance author, and you guys, she writes sweet, funny, sexy, real romance. That tagline was straight from her website. Yes, I did use it. I had so much fun talking to Melanie. We talked all about how she chooses her sexy covers and kind of the debate between whether she should do discreet covers or stick with what her readers know, how that's going to impact her business going forward. We talked all about, you know, writing sex scenes, how to make consent sexy, how to make contraception sexy. We talked about how, you know, to keep your real life relationship alive and what she thinks is important. Guys, we covered the gambit. We talked about so many things. As you know, we like to go through all the things with authors and get in and chat with them and have a real conversation. And I absolutely loved this one. And Melanie was nice enough to send us a copy of her latest book, or she's going to send us a copy. And uh, so we can do a giveaway for you guys. So everybody follows at Romance at a Glance on Instagram and TikTok and keep an eye out for that giveaway. Without further ado, let's get this poppin'. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the podcast. So I found your book because we were in a trope season and we were looking for dads. Oh yeah. And we wanted to do like a couple different types of dads, you know, so we didn't want them all to be like single dads. We didn't want them all to be taboo dads. We didn't want them all to be age gap or whatever. We wanted kind of a nice blend. Um, And so I saw Ignite and I saw that the description was like a sexy single dad firefighter falls for his next door neighbor. And I was like, that's it. We need to look no further. (laughs) I have found the book for us. Um, so that is how I'm yeah, that hero checks a lot of boxes. <laughs> he checks a lot of boxes, which I appreciate. I'm like, let's not beat around the bush. Let's, <laughs> if he's gonna fulfill a single dad desire for me, he better fulfill it, you know, all the way. He's gonna try. <laughs> I'm certainly gonna try. Um, when you're coming up with your books, are you? Do you like? think in tropes or do those come later or do you think like oh I love single dad's a great trope like maybe I compare that with something else like how do you do you ever like think about that in advance absolutely I think about it first because a trope is what sells a book um if someone's never heard of Melanie Harlow they might know that they like single dad firefighter stories and be like give me that <laughs> right now <laughs> Even Mm -hmm. if they've never heard of me, they know what kinds of stories they like. So I think absolutely it is important. At least it's part of my process to think about the tropes first. I love that because, you know, we like before we started doing a podcast, I mean, you kind of like know in the back of your mind what your favorite tropes are. But until I started like actively thinking about it and like reviewing more and, you know, then I was like, oh, yeah, it actually really will sell. a book. Like I will buy a book immediately if they're like, oh, this is a raunchy faded mates. That's an insta yep, Everybody like, has those like ones that push the buttons and you're like, yep, <laughs> I'm here for it anytime. Mm-hmm. Which one is your favorite to write? Gosh, that's uh, I love a single dad. I I really do especially with daughters that that one Mm -hmm. always gets me. I know it's not, I really loved, I have one marriage of convenience book Mm -hmm. and I had a, like a ball writing it. It's just a really hard trope to write for contemporary romance. Yeah. Yeah. It's much easier like with historical or even like, I don't don't know what, but there's just not that many great reasons for marriage of convenience in 2022. So yes. it, comes, it, it becomes harder to find a plausible reason for it. Right. Yeah. I feel like it has to be like, you have an evil family member who's trying to get you out of your family money. So you have exactly. to get married to secure the yep. money, which is kind of what they do in historicals too, frankly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. And you know, in historicals, the woman lacked any kind of power whatsoever. So she didn't sure. have a choice 
you know, but, but now, you know, female characters have more autonomy. So sure. wh- why would she marry someone that she disliked? So right. it's a little bit harder to make it work, it but I harder. had a good time writing that or like a, a good fake fiance kind of thing. I, I, I love so fiance. much fun. I just, I have one coming so out fun. next month, a fake fiance <gasps> book. And it was a ball to write. I had such, such fun writing it, but again, at least my brain's very logical. It was hard to come up with like a feasible <laughs> plot. A feasible plot. <laughs> I, I, fake dating is, we're actually doing that after this trope. It's one of my favorite tropes because I feel like that you get to be inside the secret with the couple. So you get to be a part of the, like the mischief and mm-hmm. the close calls and the, and like, it's really them versus whatever the outside world is and whatever their reasons are. And cause I, I'm less of a fan of ones where it's like the problems of their relationship are really like the two of them, like miscommunicating or, or like something where Shawnee always goes, well, they're going to get divorced after this. I love the romance, <laughs> but I don't, I don't foresee this communication style working out long term. Right. Um, right. But I love fake dating because I just like to be in the little cocoon of secrets and inside jokes. And like the first time they like, you know, like put their armor on someone when they're fake mm-hmm. dating and they feel that like shiver. The first time they have to kiss in front of an audience, like um, I eat that. Absolutely. Up. I love it. All those scenes that are like the promise of the premise, a reader's like, give me <laughs> all of those scenes. I want them. And as a writer, they're, they're really fun to write. Yeah. And yeah. And there's that deception there. And then of course it's, it becomes, you know, tense because the feelings start to, to be real. <laughs> and now what do we do? I, and now are we fake dating or are we real dating? Right. Who's going to say, I love you first. Oh, and things okay. get real. Yeah. Yeah. So much fun. So how did you start writing romance? Because you've been publishing for a while now and you have tons of like super popular books. I mean, like you have a huge Facebook group, a huge Instagram, like, you know, how did you start? Yeah, it's, it's been um, an interesting, an interesting journey. I thought I was going to be traditionally published and I thought I would write YA. That's kind of where it started. I wrote some YA books that are in a, you know, suitcase under my bed kind of thing and tried to get an agent. And then the one that I had the best luck with, the one that got the most requests was a historical, but ultimately I heard the same thing. Like, this is great, but we can't sell it. There was really no market for YA historical at that time. This is like 2011, 2012, Mm -hmm. maybe. And then at the time I had some friends who were self-publishing new adult romance. And that was like the brand new thing at the time, new adult. What is that? (laughs) Because publishers weren't picking it up and buying it because it wasn't a category that they knew where, where do we put this on a shelf? It's not Mm -hmm. really young adult. It's not really like adult contemporary romance. So they were traditional publishing was just baffled by this. So mm-hmm. authors who, you know, had all these great books started self-publishing Kindle direct publishing came along right at that time. And it was like, poof, the, you know, bonanza. Mm-hmm. So I saw that they were having luck. So I took that historical, which was really my favorite. I love historical. And I, mm-hmm. I rewrote it. I upped the, you know, the sexy content and the ages of the characters and self-published that in 2013 and then a follow-up later that year. And then it was clear to me that historical, those those agents weren't lying. Historical is not really where it's at. I think if you are going to write historical and you write something like Regency mm-hmm. or maybe even like Scottish Highlander or something like that, like there's a big market for that. But I was writing like in 1920s. There just wasn't that big of a market. Yeah. So I switched to contemporary romance in 2014 and then just got on the train and never got off (laughs) just kept going from there it takes a little while and I think from the outside for anyone just just getting into it now it it looks like overnight success or that it it happens so fast or you know your first book was a breakout book or something but it's it's not really how it happens I don't know anybody I mean maybe like one person actually not even that person that I was thinking of where their first book was like a massive success and I mean E.L. James maybe (laughs) It's super rare. Yeah. Most of the time it's writers figuring out who their audience is, what they're really good at, and then what their readers expect from them, what they really want from them, and then giving them more of that thing. You know, some, some writers really love writing in multiple genres. That is not for me. Um, I think that would be much harder to build a following 
in, in either one of those genres. I think it would take longer, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, hats off to those people who can manage it. <laughs> I only know how to do one thing. So that's the thing I do. And you really do it well. Okay. What I really appreciate you is that you have super sexy covers and I know what I'm getting into. So when I found you on book talk, I was really excited because I feel like being an indie author, you probably have more choice about what kind of book covers you're going to do. And the illustrated book covers really lead me astray sometimes. Like, I don't know what I'm getting. Am I getting a rom-com or am I getting just straight up filth? It's so hard to know. And I really like when I read your description, I looked at the cover. I was like, okay, there's fire. He's not wearing a shirt. It's going to be steamy. I'm into this. And I really love that I knew what I was going to get. Um, so what's your process? Do you do your own cover shoots or how do you find those images? So I purchase my, uh, their stock, their exclusive stock. So once I purchase it, no one else can use it, um, mm-hmm. from direct from photographers I've purchased from a model, I think one or two times, but I started using, you know, Shutterstock like everyone else. And then it wasn't until I was maybe three or four books in that I was able to afford a more expensive exclusive shot. And even then I remember the sticker the sticker shock was like, oh my God, this is what photos cost. I could not Mm -hmm. believe it at the time. But I was like, okay, I'm taking a risk here. I'm going to make an investment in this, in this book. But yeah, it is a conscious choice. And and of course now the the trend for illustrated covers or discrete covers is Mm -hmm. really going strong. So for someone like me who has built a brand on those you know, sexier covers, it's hard to know what to do. So that's my worry that by changing, I would confuse readers and that by not changing, I'm missing out on a segment of the readership that is really into discrete covers right now. So it is, it is a decision that I don't want to make, but I'm going to have to make, I think going, going forward. Another reason or another factor in the decision, I should say, is advertising. It's getting more and more difficult to advertise a shirtless dude. That's the craziest thing to me, too, because TikTok loves a spicy book, but they don't want anything visually spicy. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I find it very silly because I get a lot of thirst traps from dudes in my for you page and I'm like that's a, a legitimate alive human male with no shirt on <laughs> right and he's not getting content violations he's dripping from the shower staring right. me dead in the eyes in the mirror and he's not getting a violation for that like this is a book cover this is an image on a book cover this is that is way steamier and sexier than just a book yeah it's it's interesting those those thirst trap videos always make me laugh or like the, the pictures on Instagram or whatever, because mm-hmm. my eye immediately goes to whatever's behind them, like a towel on the floor or like a <laughs> towel hanging, like clearly like wet and like <laughs> not spread out on the towel bar. <laughs> like, or like the yeah. toilet is in the back and I'm like, could you yeah. not move? Straighten the towel? Like I, I you know what always comes up for me is okay, there's somewhere you can tell that like a friend films them. Mm-hmm. So like their friend is across the street and it's like, you know, POV, like your neighbor's son came home from college and now he's hot or something like that. And oh, then dear. it's clear yeah. a friend is filming them. And I'm like, okay, that would be kind of fun to film with your friend. Like so I'm just like hysteric. Like you know you're both hot, and so you know you can make money being hot. Um, I respect it. But then there are the people who I know film that shit alone. So I have a hard time getting into it sometimes because I'm like, this fool is alone in his bathroom or in his house, just like trying to stare stare all sexy into into a camera with a ring light behind it. Mm -hmm. I'm like kind of embarrassed for that. Like I start to get a little hot in the chest. You are objectively good looking and also this is, I feel embarrassed for you that yes. you're in the house by yourself you cringe. doing this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Which is not fair because I, I mean, I consume the content. So, I mean, they're right. not wrong. I'm still going to look. I'm still going to look. They're so ridiculously, like, attractive that my eye should not go to the toilet or the towel on the floor, but I can't help it. It That's where my eye goes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I just want to be like, oh, just pick up the towel before you film. 
just pick up the towel. I also <laughs> feel like I, I probably wouldn't have noticed the towel as much before I became a parent mm, and owned yeah. my own house and stuff yeah. because now like my niece was over and she's 10 and I was like, did you leave a wet towel on my carpet? <laughs> I was like, are you fucking crazy? And she was like, oh, well, and I was like, well, what? Yeah. You can't just leave. You're 10 years old. You can't leave a wet towel on a carpet. Are you? I was like, the four-year-old hung up her towel. Come on. You can't right. hang up a towel. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, it's like the mom, the mom thing. My, my eye yeah. goes right to it. Yeah. <laughs> can't help it. I also want to talk a little bit about merch. So it's very interesting because we've talked to a lot. We come, me and Shawnee, um, talk, come from like a content creation background. So like YouTubing, you know, just like everything in digital media and have, have both worked for other companies, for ourselves, you know, all across the gamut for the last like 10 years. And so we're always like, do you have merch? Do you do Patreon? Do you do other stuff to like, you know, support the fact that you're writing books? Or do you just like try to write as many books as possible? And we found that there's some authors who are like, I don't care about merch or anything. I just try to write fast and well so that, you know, the readers always have something to read. And I would love to like hear, like, how did the merch thing come up? Have you tried it before? Like, where are you sort of? Yeah, I, of- I do have some merch now. And how it came about was mm-hmm. um, Megan from Novel Grounds repro- approached me and she does sort of like a different themed series like at her store, Novel Grounds, and mm-hmm. she was doing a small town. And she said, could I create some designs based on this series? And, you know, you'll get a percentage of the sales. And I was like, oh yeah, of course, you know, how fun. Merch has never been something that I really thought about. Um, the, the profit margin is so slim. Like it, it does not make money. I, I can't really, I, maybe one or two authors ever have told me that they make money on their merch and if you look mm-hmm. at their houses, like it's just taken over by their merch yeah. and they're spending a lot of time fulfilling orders and stuff. And that's just not what, it's not a good use of my time. The mm-hmm. books are the best use of my time because that's the, the, the biggest, you know, nothing will ever move the needle, like publishing another book, you know, not, right. not greatest t-shirt design in the world. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, of course, that sounds like fun. And she did such a nice job that I thought it would be kind of fun just to have things to offer. So I approached her and I said, would you like to design some additional merch for me that I could like set up a, to be honest, I can't even remember what it is, maybe a Teespring site. And I just linked to it from my website and Mm -hmm. she did all the designs and she put them on mugs and t-shirts and bags and all that stuff. And it's just a link on my website. I don't think I've made more than like, (laughs) 75 cents on anything because I think you know the money goes to Teespring or whatever and then I think it once you hit like a certain threshold maybe they they would me. but I didn't really look at it as a money maker it was more just for fun for you know a brand awareness something Uh cool for the reader like to have a mug yeah your favorite book or a t-shirt or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah I don't really know it's I wish merch was like you know a gold mine. I really wish it sure. because you design one thing, put it on a hundred items. Oh, look, right. money is rolling in, but it's, it's not <laughs> the only way yeah. that, that money comes in is really w- when a book releases, but it, it looks cool. So I think sometimes yeah. new authors coming in are like, I need merch. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you need, you need a back some, catalog. <laughs> right. You need some really big hits and then you can yeah. worry about the, the t-shirts. Yeah. How, how many books do you aim to publish like a year? Three. That's the max. There was only one year that I did four and it was 2020. And that's because you're at home and I was at home and my kids had no activities. I didn't have to go anywhere, do anything. Mm -hmm. But then of course, after that year, I was like, Oh, see, I did it. I can write four books a year. And that was false. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was wrong. Uh, So three books is doable is doable for me because I, you know, have other priorities in, in my life. I write best in the morning. So I get up, I work, I write in the morning. I do some, I either keep writing right up until three o'clock or do admin stuff in the afternoon. Um, then at three o'clock, that's it. I'm doing mom, mom things or going to the gym or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think 
it's funny because me and Shawnee are completely opposite. I am definitely like you. Like I wake up and I'm like, let's get it. And then by the afternoon, I'm like, well, I feel like I've accomplished my day. And I sign our sucker. And obviously, like, you know, I have a two and four year old. So there's some days where it's like, it's just not feasible for me to start working until 9 p.m. or whatever. It's just so I just do what I gotta do. But Shawnee's the opposite. Shawnee's day does like mentally does not really start for her until like 4 p.m. And then oh, she's like, man. okay. Let me start down. That's like her morning. That's my bedtime. I know. <laughs> she's like, then like she starts to really churn and burn around like 10. That's when she starts to really like feel it. And then by like 4 a.m. she kind of like winds up. It's just oh miracle. Yeah. Yesterday I was on a walk with my dog and I'm in central time right now and she's in uh, Pacific time, but I was on a walk with my dog at like 6.45 in the morning and she's texting me like, hey, what's it? Time's the interview today. This is yesterday what time's the interview today blah blah and I was like are you still awake and she's like yeah 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 <laughs> I was like I was like I just woke up <laughs> yeah some people are just night owls and that's when their brain is firing but not me no I am I am definitely the early bird <laughs> so when you're coming up with your like book ideas are you like do you feel like your best inspiration comes from like people watching in real life like movies and TV and stuff that you're just like watching and consuming or just like you're staring at a window and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I really think both. Um, usually I, the trope, you know, I kind of choose that first and think, well, okay, if I want to write a, let's say friends to lovers, or, um, I, maybe I think about one I haven't done yet. Like what mm-hmm. I was trying to think of, okay, I've never done like fake fiance, could I come up with a legit reason why two people would need to? And I had never done a a billionaire either. So I was like, okay, how can I, you know, then it becomes like a puzzle kind of fitting Mm -hmm. the pieces together and everything. I am not an idea factory. Like I am so envious of authors who have like their um, file folder. Oh, this is all my ideas. My (laughs) literally like my ideas are like, one like one sad page yeah I I just I only have one at a time I really have to scrape for it I can only work on one book at a time you know yeah I just I try, try to think of like the I guess the tropes first and then sort of build okay well what kind of a hero because a hero is really important for my particular mm-hmm. audience I mean for, for many romance for sure. writers you know, what would make him interesting or compelling or, and really coming up with the reason, like, okay, really, why can't these two perfectly attractive, single, yeah. consenting adults not be together? That's, it's not, it's not always easy, but. So. One's a mafia boss. No, yeah. <laughs> Someone's in a cartel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or one's a shifter or one's, one's a, a shifter. you know, like I, I made it hard on myself by writing yeah. kind of more <laughs> realistic contemporary romance. Yeah. Uh, I, we talk about that a lot because there's like obviously like a lot less rules when you're doing other world building because you can just make up whatever you want. How do you, so I thought you did a really great job for me personally and how you dealt with the condom usage in Ignite because we've had some contemporary authors where we read it and we're like, it's too much. It's too much. You don't need yeah. to talk about it every time. Like we, we get it. He's reaching into a drawer. We got it. We, we all been there. We all know what you're reaching for. And I liked that there was like, you established like, she's not going to get pregnant. She's on the pill. And he's like, okay, cool. I, I haven't had sex for years. Bam. Yeah, I think you do have to. We're happy about it. Let's, yeah. Let's I like to get it out of the way. I think it has to be on the page. For me as yeah. a reader, it has to be on the page. Yeah. Um, because otherwise that'll be in my head and it'll distract me. Let's see. Pregnancy book. Then. I'm <laughs> like, well, someone's getting pregnant. Yeah. If they don't talk <laughs> about it, people automatically assume like, oh, there's going to be a surprise, you know, an accidental pregnancy. Yeah. Or whatever. So there is that. I want it clear that there there will not be an accidental pregnancy, but also just like, you know, a, a smart person is going to is going to protect herself and, and himself. So if I'm reading a book where they don't even talk about it or it doesn't even cross their mind to me, yeah. that that's a like a plot hole. Like you, you got to yeah. plug that hole. Because like, yeah. now I'm out of, and now I'm rustling in my seat yeah. and I'm thinking about that and I'm not in the moment. Yeah. 
I agree with you because I have been in some very steamy situations and I have never once in my whole life not paused to be like, you got a condom? Uh-huh. <laughs> never once, not in my whole life have I not said, what's the plan here? Um, yeah, right. Excuse me. There's no way. Excuse me. Just for one moment. Do uh-huh. you have a condom? Uh-huh. If not, we're going to have to stick to no P and B action today. Sorry about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, thank you. Do not want a pregnancy. That is insane. I, <laughs> I, no, I think that's fine. I also think the, the, the other thing about contemporary that always, I feel like would be a struggle for, for me as a writer is how much obviously like consent has gone a long way since romance like was yes. popular in the 70s and 80s and everything oh, yeah. and things were wild it was a wild back in the west but it's like i think it's a balance between how much how to make consent sexy because in real life consent is very sexy but I in books it sometimes is. it can feel very uh when it it can feel very stodgy Mm-hmm. Like, oh, may I touch your boob now? And you're like, oh, I'm out of it. You got I'm out of the sexiness. Yeah. How do you balance like making sure that it's clear that both parties are happy and excited to move forward, but also not so like so oh, I, I have to ask yeah way I, and now it slows down everything. Right. I I think consent is sexy on the page. So I often have it become part of like a, a teasing dialogue. Mm-hmm. I make a lighter moment out of it, or I just like ha- have it stay kind of serious and, and have maybe like the hero say some things that are just hot, but they somehow by by her reply, it's gonna indicate consent for things. Right. Um, right. But but I do find that like um I, I find consent consent sexy on the page, absolutely. And I, I like to play with it in dialogue. So yeah. I, and I think I think the when it comes off as stodgy or awkward, I think part of it is word choice. So I have certain words that I just can't use because they yank me out of the scene. And I just can't. And other writers can use all different kinds of euphemisms and be fine with it or descriptive things. And I just can't because I'll either start giggling or I'll just be like, it's squicky. Like, uh. So I, I stick to words that are I think are hot and not going to yank me out of the scene. Um, and I also remember that, um, you know, I, I'm not, a, I guess I'm not afraid of it. I know that it's a necessary and and I think a hot part of the, the scene. I'm not looking at it as a chore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's fun to think of it as like playing and like part of the mm-hmm. part of the seduction is the like, I I like the which you did in your book, which is the like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> They can like get you excited. And yes. then you're like, yes, please. All of that. Yes, please. I am available for all of those things. Right. Because you don't always have to come right at it. You can <laughs> come at it from the side, you know, um, and let it ex- let it happen as subtext almost mm-hmm. exactly that way. Like it doesn't always have to be, I'm going to give you this list of things. Are these okay with you? A, B, C, you know, <laughs> you know, he, you can let it happen. And it's clear on some level, the reader is processing it as, Oh, this is, this is about consent mm-hmm. um, without coming right out and saying, here's my contract check all the yeah. books if you're okay with, you know, rate it. Although I'm reading Praise by Sarah Kate right now. And yeah. um, they do have a, like a contract, a piece of paper. He demands it. He's like, I got to know ahead of time what's okay. But they're, they're yeah, so, so the, the power dynamic in that relationship is right. really important. And um, so he feels like he needs to know really ahead of time down to the last detail what's going to be okay and what isn't because it, it does their relationship functions as a scene almost you know right like, yeah know, romance um so it's it's interesting to me so there's all different ways you can, yeah. you can do it <clears throat> yeah I definitely think the the ones that we've read with BDSM 
tend to have much more specifics. Yes. But I think that that's, that, I think that that's true in actual BDSM because right. if you're going to like trust someone to tie you up, like you want them ahead of time to know like, right. hey, don't light me on fire or something like right. that. Right, if like, there's going to be pain involved. <laughs> right. Pain or degradation or any right. of those things which are legitimate, you know, yeah. things, things for a lot yeah. of people. Um, yeah. But you do, it, it is comforting. I could see how yes. you need to know what the hard limits yeah. are. Yeah. For yeah. sure. In, in my scene, into it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, in, in my, you know, I, I don't have those kinds of things to worry about. So I, I can, you know, just do it via conversation. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing sex scenes, because so you wrote young adult first and then you were like, ooh, new adult. So you had to make it a little, little more dull, a little more steamy. Did you find it? Here. Yes, a little adultier. Did you find that that transition for you was like really smooth? You were like, ooh, I know how to make this sexy. Yeah, I grew up reading romance. And so I I had ideas, but the, the, th- the thing I did with my first contemporary romance, which was called Frenched, there were like nine sex scenes in there. Like I... <laughs> <laughs> I blew my wad on that book. I like put in every possible thing I could think of. And then I went to write book two and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, I can't keep up with the pace I set. Yeah. But it, it turned out fine. You know, it, it turned out that 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 book um, sort of lent itself. It was like a vacation fling romance, what started out. So they did have to spit a lot of things into, you know, one week. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, they didn't think they were going to see each other again. Right. And he was the kind of hero. He had sort of a kinky side to him um, that he wasn't sure he was going to like share with her. But then in the end, you know, she asked him to. But yeah, I did. After I wrote that book, I was like, well, shoot, I left myself nowhere to go. <laughs> and it, it that ended up being probably one of my spiciest books. I have since reined myself in slightly. <laughs> I think, you know, it's a nice thing because we've read, you know, 160 books or something on, yeah, on the podcast, let alone like the other, you know, thousands of books I've read in my lifetime. And the nice thing is, is that you can, it, it can be the same act. It's like how the characters react to the act. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like most of the characters are having some sort of kissing. They're having some sort of hands involved. They're having some sort of mouths involved. They're having some sort of sex involved. So it's like, you know, there, it's just, it's just like, for me, it's the emotions behind and the talking behind and the flirting yes. behind and the, the, you know, how they get there, how they feel about how they got there. Uh, Cause everyone can have sex. I mean, that's right. Kind of a- and that is, that is absolutely true. And readers say that all the time, like, you know, well, it's, it's, I, I like those scenes because of um, it's, it's not for the physical stuff necessarily. It's for the characters and where they are. And I mean, sex is the greatest possible complication in, in a romance ever. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, like, oh, you know, there it happened. Now it's finished. Um, it's, it's, it always leads to, well, now what? Yeah, that was great. And now what? Mm-hmm. Now there's a further problem because it was so great mm-hmm. somehow. Right. So, yeah, I think I, I just, when I'm writing, it is that the the anatomy of it does trip me up because I'm like, I think I have written this exact sentence before in another book. Like, I know that sandwiched around it are all the emotional <laughs> things that are, are, that's why the reader is there and the dialogue yeah. I have to write dialogue, heavy sex scenes. Like my people are always talking. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes my yeah. editor is like, this is a lot of lines for what's happening right now. Would, would she be able to talk? <laughs> I'm like, I, that's, yes. That's, yes, that's, I, <laughs> I remember one of my friends, like very early, I had sex like with one person only. And she was like, look, if they can't talk and laugh during it, like you don't want to like marry that person. Right. What are you going to like be like silent and sad for your home? Like, no, you want someone you can talk to and you can flirt, you know, you can. It's playful. Yeah. Yeah. It's playful. Yeah. And it can be obviously very sexy and very get the mind involved, which is always a good thing. And I usually do try to mix that up in a book. Like I'll have one, um, one sex scene where it is playful 
one where it's almost angry or maybe mm-hmm. one where it's they think it's the last time for whatever reason or one of them it's it's almost like a punishment i'm not mm-hmm. explaining it very well but yeah you know, no i know the listeners know we know what's <laughs> so yeah. th- there's you, know, you wore that dress to ease me and now <laughs> so <laughs> underneath you know what's happening um that that sort of subtext is there that it's a different kind of sex scene than it was you know three chapters ago or whatever mm-hmm. that's so fun i ha- so like as you've gone through and you know now been writing for 10 you know 10 plus years or publishing for 10 plus years do you find that you are like I don't want to say confident, more confident, but like you're writing like quicker and more confidently, or do you feel like at the beginning when you maybe were just like throwing stuff on the wall? Does that, um, I don't know if that question I, makes sense. But. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. Um, I, I wish, I wish that I was a quicker writer. It does not happen any faster. No, I, I regret <laughs> to say, I think I'm definitely more conscious now, like I I was just listening to a a podcast about writers and, and they were saying like, when everybody starts out, it's like unconscious incompetence. Like you don't know what you don't know. So you're just like, you know, we, let me write all these words. And it's so great. And everyone's going to love my book. And you almost have to be that way. Like if you knew all the things that you didn't know, (laughs) you probably, it's terrifying, you know, you'd be paralyzed with fear. And then you moved you know, from that unconscious incompetence to like conscious incompetence. Okay. Well now I know all the things that I don't know and I need to get better at it. And then you move to like the, um, unconscious competence where you're doing a pretty good job, you know? And I think I'm sort of at that point, like I I still have imposter syndrome. I still feel like when I start a new book, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, but every, this is really stupid, but I have this I light a candle and for five minutes, I force myself to meditate. And I just say, I trust myself. I trust my process. I trust myself. I trust my process because I do think that there is some kind of subconscious level that must know (laughs) what it's doing, that, that some of it is intuitive. I'm a student of craft. I'm a big believer in structure. You know, I, I love I really do love story and, and I want to be a better writer. Um, but I do think there is some level of just kind of instinct there and I don't like to think too hard about it. I just be like, okay, I'm just going to trust it. (laughs) And it's going to show up today if I just let it and and I criticize too much and I don't throw all my ideas out the window. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. (laughs) I think, I think, you know, there is like, I don't know if there's science behind it, but there's definitely a lot of anecdotal evidence that mantras and like being kind to yourself and talking mm-hmm. positively about yourself are very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read a Bruce Lee quote yesterday that said, um, don't ever say anything negative about yourself because your body can't understand sarcasm. Your body <laughs> will believe it. And so you only say good things about yourself so that your body knows that to be true. Yeah. Um, but I, I always say like, you know, like a little bit of progress and just like get it on the page, trust yourself, certainly better than, you know, second guessing. Cause like, what are you going to second? I mean, you're going to sit there forever, just like not writing. Instead right. Of- oh, I do plenty of that. I do plenty of sitting there, not <laughs> writing. I also do so much deleting. I will write something and be like, oh, I did it. I feel that was great. And then I come back the next day and I'm like, this is shit. This is total shit. And it's got to go. It doesn't belong here. Um, it's stupid. <laughs> That's stupid. And I delete it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm another thing that I'm envious of is writers who can write, you know, four or 5,000 words a day. Um, 2000 is like a great day for me. That's a lot of words though. It's a lot of words. I mm-hmm. mean, I think people are writing four or 5,000 words a day. That's like a- that's astonishing. They're like finishing their book in like three weeks. It's like, uh, yeah. Oh, and they're, they're out there. They, they exist yeah. and they're great yeah. at what they do and they've got big followings and they can release lots and lots of books per year. I, mm-hmm. I took this course from Becca Syme called write better faster. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn what the hack <laughs> is to get there. I'm going to write better faster. And I learned so much about myself. 
but like the biggest lesson was that I can't write better faster. <laughs> I can't write You're faster right. at all. Worse faster. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just won't, it just won't come. It just won't. The way that I'm wired, it's just a slower process. I have to do a lot of thinking and it's a real drag, but that's what it is. So I got to do it. I mean- I will say, give yourself some props, though. I mean, you you write three books a year. That's a lot of books, though. Tradi- if you were traditionally published, you'd only be writing one a year. Maybe right? Remember two. the days when we we would read a book by our favorite author, and we had to wait another year for the book to come a out. A whole year. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was excruci- It's still like that. And like, if you're in, you know, reading more of like fantasy sci-fi, you'll like. I read a book. I don't know if you read by Tracy Dion last fall, and she writes uh, YA. Uh, fantasy mm-hmm. uh, and I read it and I unfortunately read it like a month after it came out great book five stars but I was like when's the next one and it was like November 2022 and I was like kill me kill me <laughs> ah! I, was like, I yes. don't even know if I'll remember the story by then after I mean I already have read hundreds of like 150 books lately right and I come a year so I totally remember that I remember waiting and you'd see the thing it's coming out February 6th and I'd be at the bookstore ready to get my copy I'd be so like I do miss that anticipation feeling yeah but Mm -hmm. also I am like yeah but I also want to just read more books Mm -hmm. that's a real real catch-22 yeah I I'm comfortable with with three um I've, I've made my peace with the fact that it's no matter what I do, I just can't go any faster. And I don't know that the books would be the quality that I Good, want yeah. them to be if I just mm-hmm. was like, you know, pers- yeah. spit them out. Yeah. So, so three it is. <laughs> well, we'll be happy with three. Is, <laughs> so when you're, uh, I'm sure your readers like read, you know, this book you've been working on for so long and three hours and then email you what's the next one I just gave you this one you savage they're my readers are really funny they they they're asking me for this first so the ignite starts off a series that's a next generation Mm -hmm. series so Mm -hmm. the the heroines of this book of the series are the kids from the original cloverleaf farm series and Mm -hmm. People were asking and asking for like, you know, a next generation series, but I was like, couldn't wrap my brain around it. And then finally mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll do it. But you guys can't do any math. There will be no math allowed. <laughs> don't come at me with, but if she was eight. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. I don't know what year it is. I don't know. I know that, you know, she was yeah. eight in 2019 when that book came out. And I suddenly now she's you know, 30. I just don't know how that happened, but it happened. Well, you know what? You never established the year in the original book. They're just assuming. I'm careful now. I don't, I try not to put in any kinds of details. That's something that I learned over time. Don't, don't date the book, but, and I'm, I'm sure someone will email me and tell me that I made a baby math mistake or whatever, but I told all my subscribers, I'm like, please don't do any math. You guys just read the books. Just read it. Just enjoy it. Because if I if I had to choose it. between making something better for the story and making it work as a math problem, I'm choosing the story every time. So yeah. I will... sorry. For no, sure. Don't for do the math. Sure. <laughs> so what is the name of the the so is the fake fiance also in the same series or that's a separate series? Yeah, no, that's in the series. So so Ignite was the book was book one. In the original series, there were three, there was a it started with a single dad book called Irresistible and Mac was the hero and he had three daughters Mm -hmm. and so in the next generation series each of those daughters got a book and then I took a sideways like I I veered off track a little bit to write Taste which came out that was book two in March Um, it's two characters from the French series that were sort of in the neighborhood the the heroine was the best friend of one of Mac's daughters and these two characters just had such great chemistry they were just butting heads all the time Gianni, like, yeah Gianni, Gianni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like I bet you this is gonna be another book exactly they just had such great chemistry I'm like oh those two would be a riot to write so I I stranded them in a snowstorm at a roadside motel for Yay. a few days Only yes. one breath. 
it was it was a hoot so then after Although it's I want to know what happened to them in their seven minutes in heaven so I will be reading that book to uh, discover oh what yeah happened. oh that was a really I actually wrote that scene out it was really really fun to write so then that was book two and book three is called tease uh that's another one of Max's daughters it's uh it's a friends to lovers but it's fake Beyonce mm-hmm. but of course he's been pining for her for years of course as he should as he should exactly I love pining and then and then there will be one more the final daughter the oldest daughter she's gonna be my first um, plus size heroine so that will come out in November I haven't started writing that one yet but yeah very exciting so like when you do interviews and people ask you questions is there something that you wish people would ask you about your books or no, I don't know. The the interviews that I've had, I did one yesterday and one today, and they've both been great. Like the, the questions were really, you know, thoughtful and insightful. So no, I can't even think of, of anything that people don't ask me about. No, I'm so boring. I don't know. No, you don't have to be boring. Think. It means I'm doing my job. I ask good questions. Yes. You're so good at your job. I can't even think of anything. <laughs> And if you were going to like give advice for like you write these great happily ever afters in your books, if you're going to give advice for sort of like maintaining a long relationship in real life, what would your, your advice be? Oh, like a real life relationship. Real life. I would say communication is very important and listening is very important. And I think that listening involves like multiple levels. Like you need to listen to what they're saying and then you kind of almost have to listen to what they are not saying, which is, I think, a skill that I... I, I think I'm a good listener and I think that comes in handy when I'm writing because there's nothing more boring than two people coming in and saying exactly <laughs> what they're thinking to each other. This person yes. says exactly what they're thinking and this person says what they're thinking and they're just yeah. talking about exactly what they're talking about. There's nothing mm-hmm. there for the reader to chew on. There's no right. additional layer of tension. So yeah, the book ends on page 10. We've wrapped it up. Right. Like, you know, well, I, I, hate, you. You love well, I hate you too. <laughs> you know, but I actually, I love you. Oh, actually, I love you too. But the end. So I, I think that that doesn't, that's not how real life works. Most people are conflict avoidant, I think. So they come in and they say something else and they're never going to say exactly you know, and it's hard to show our feelings. <laughs> it's hard to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I think that always when you are in a relationship with someone, you you know that they're probably protecting something and, and that you have to be, you know, respectful of that. And you also, and this is really hard, you also have to be vulnerable yourself and say, this is hard for me to say, but, you know, and, and be as honest as you can. Yeah. I've been married for, I'm trying to think, my goodness, what year is it right now? 2022. 18 years, 18 years we've been married. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, it's, I mean, marriage is hard. Marriage is really hard. It is really hard. I've been married six, I think. That feels right. Six feels right. Yeah. And I I definitely feel like, I don't know whether it would be easier or harder to go through the pandemic when we did. But it was definitely like less fun going through it with like two very small children oh, I can't and imagine. like changing from like, you know, we go out to the movies all the time. We see friends and family. We have people to help us with these kids, well, young right. babies and kids yeah. to being like trapped at, in our tiny, we lived in LA at the time, in our tiny little house uh, together. But I also think, you know, for me at least, it's always remembering like, you know, we're in it for the long haul. It's like, right. you have a bad six months. Like, so what? I have a bad, I've had bad six months before, mm-hmm. but it's like in the course of 50 years, it's like, who is that six months really going to matter? No, we're going right. to, we're going to remember it and be like, oh, remember that six months where you're a piece of shit and not so mad at you the whole time? Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. going to kind of laugh about it and, and then, you know, be in a better place. And Yeah. Right. I mean, and you, and you do have to learn to kind of be like, okay, 
keep it in perspective. This fight feels yeah. huge right now, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> My husband's yeah. super annoyed with me right now. He just got really mad at me about something, but it, it's partly because we have different personalities. So I yeah. handle a situation one way and he wants to handle it a different way. And then he has to be like, will you just stop? <laughs> and I have to be like, no, I can't. <laughs> No, I can't. This is who I am. This is who you married. You knew me. Yes. Right. Yeah. Remember? Remember me? Remember? Remember me? I also feel like with kids, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like sometimes they're like watching you parent all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially because of the pandemic, we haven't had very much of like the two of us doing anything outside of like being in our home together in the last couple of years. So we went and had like, uh, we spent like most of the day, my brother had the kids and we spent most of the day together and we like hung out with friends without our kids there. Their kids were all there. I mean, you're like, no, we left our kids at home. It was great. I was like, oh my God, we're having the best time like flirting. And I was like, oh, I forgot how fun it is when I'm not, I'm paying attention to you and not also making sure the two-year-old isn't climbing something or breaking my friend's furniture. Uh And the four-year-old is like, you know, sharing with the other kid that she just met and not like, you know, shoving her off the playground or something like that. Like, right. Yeah. It, it's a nice, like, it's nice to also kind of remember like, oh, we're in parent mode. And sometimes yeah. it's hard to with those human beings, <laughs> your different parent, different parenting, mm-hmm. but also like, I still like you. You're pretty. Yep. Yeah. I made it. I made a good choice. I made a good choice. <laughs> But also get out of my face. <laughs> yes, right. Also, sometimes I'm going into this room and I'm going to shut the door and I'll talk to you later. Right. Goodbye. I Goodbye. love you, but. <laughs> Sayonara, sucker. Mm-hmm. And then we go read our romance novels and write That's romance right. Novels. And then we're going to come out in a much better mood. <laughs> Where our high expectations are completely normalized. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, this has been a delight. Thanks for coming and hanging Thank out. Thank you with so much. Heart. Thank you. This has been delightful. Uh, well, you guys, uh, you can catch our interview. Our interview. You can catch our review of Ignite that's coming out soon. And also make sure we'll, we'll drop links to all of the upcoming books uh, that Melanie has coming out. It's very exciting. So, all right, dear listeners. Until next time, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. Bye for now, kids. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.